thank you for connecting to the media product of LifeGate Church. Pastor Brian Gallardo prays as this product goes out into the nations, that it empowers your faith, stirs your spirit, and pushes you towards your God-given destiny. For more information, please go to www.lifegatekc.org. If you have your Bibles, I want you to grab them real quickly. And uh, I actually wasn't going to preach tonight. And um, during prayer this morning when I was praying, I felt like God, sometimes he like opens up my heart and my mind and just puts like a bucket load of stuff in there. And that was that way this morning. And so I went in the office and told Pastor Janae to make sure uh, that we rearrange service a little bit. And I believe God's got something great for us tonight. And uh, we've prayed all about souls. Everybody did a great job. Can we give it up for those incredible intercessors? And uh, it's, it's, it's funny because, you know, a lot of times in churches like ours, prayer makes people uncomfortable. But I'm like, why does prayer in church make people uncomfortable. So we're so thankful that we are a praying church. Amen. Matthew chapter nine, verse 35 and 30 through 38 says this, Jesus went throughout all the cities and all the villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every affliction. When he saw the crowds of people show up on Wednesday night at LifeGate church, he had compassion on many of them because many of you that are here tonight are harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd then he said to his disciples the harvest is truly plentiful but the laborers are few therefore pray earnestly I like how it says pray earnestly not like you know not now I lay me down to sleep I pray the Lord my soul to keep up pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers and to his harvest go with me real quickly to second Timothy chapter 4 and verse 5 And Paul wrote this to his spiritual son, uh, Timothy. But you, Timothy, keep your head in all situations. Now, now Timothy was a pastor in a city called Ephesus, where he led a church there in the church of Ephesus. He he was the pastor of the Ephesians. And so he wasn't an evangelist. He was a pastor. And he said, Timothy, you're going to have to endure hardship and do the work of an evangelist. Well, how can, how can God call somebody to do, do, be an evangelist when not called to be an evangelist? Well, God calls all of us to do what he called Timothy to do, and that's be, to do the work of an evangelist. Look at your neighbor and say, you got to work it out. Look at somebody behind you and say, you got to work it out. got to work it out. I want to talk to you tonight for five hours uh, along the lines of it's harvest time. Uh-huh, it's harvest time. All three of you got it. My wife got excited about it. I heard her. But I want to talk to you about it being harvest time. Amen. Can, can we just one more time, let's bow our heads and pray real quickly. Father, help me in Jesus' name. Amen. What I want you to do is love on somebody before you're seated. And uh, let's, let's believe God to do some great things in the next few minutes here at LifeGate Church. And uh, love on somebody. Welcome. We've got a lot of first-time faces here tonight. A lot of young people here that have showed up for the first time. Make sure you love on them online campus. So glad you're tuned in tonight. I pray you hit that share button. And uh, let's believe God to do some great things here at LifeGate during this precious, holy, 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 holy week. Oh, Lord. The house of prayer, oh, Lord. Amen and amen. Put your hands together one more time and give the Lord a little round of applause.
Um, I've been asking the Lord in my personal prayer time for him to take me back to the day when he first called me into ministry and when he first called me to preach the gospel. And it was in that moment and in that time that the passion for the lost souls of my generation was almost as if somebody took a big old can of gasoline and poured it on something that was already on fire. And, you know, through the years of, of doing ministry and preaching, I've been doing this now 25 years full-time in full-time ministry, 15 years as a senior pastor. And, uh, amen. And, uh, and, 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 and doing that, you kind, you kind of get in a rhythm of doing it because it's your career and it's your job. And the Lord has really been convicting me in this season to get back to the first love of why I first got into ministry in the first place, and that was to win people to Jesus. Look at your neighbor and say, it's harvest time. I love how Jesus, in, in Matthew's gospel in the ninth chapter, here he starts off by telling his disciples that he, is, he, he had so much compassion on people because they were harassed and they were helpless. There's people in this room tonight and many people that God's going to start dealing with you between now and Sunday morning to get here to church. Because there's people that you know who are being harassed by the devil and are helpless in their walk that they're in life in right now. There's people here tonight, I know by the Spirit of God, you feel helpless in your marriage. You feel helpless as a parent. There's single parents in this room tonight. You feel like the enemy has done nothing but harassed you. But I want you to know tonight that Jesus came so you didn't have to be harassed anymore. I'm so thankful that this scripture's in there because I've been studying uh, this week about Good Friday and about Resurrection Sunday because that's on the roster for me to preach this, this week uh, coming up. And I'm so thankful because I was thinking about Jesus today when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. And this was the first place that Jesus suffered way before a Roman soldier came his way, way before he had nails driven in his body, way before he was beat with the cat of nine tails. Jesus was in a place called the Garden of Gethsemane. And it was there the Bible said he began to pray and he began to ask the Lord, if this cup can pass from me, not my will be done, but your will be done. What he was asking the Father is, I really don't want to die upon the cross. I really don't want to be tortured. I really don't want to be tormented, but not my will be done, your will be done. The Bible said that Jesus began to cry out as he was being tormented in that garden. And he said, my soul is exceedingly troubled, even unto death. And the Bible said his sweat began to drop great droplets of blood as his sweat mixed in with his blood now if you study humanity and you study biology you will know that this is a physical condition that can really happen it's a physical condition called hematidrosis where when a body is under severe stress or when there's a great level of sorrow or a great level of fear in the psyche of man it breaks down in the soul of man to where their body will literally start secreting sweat this condition Hematidrosis makes the body extremely sensitive to the touch. So way before Jesus stood before Pilate, way before he was on the hill of Golgotha, way before his flesh hung off his body like ribbons, he was in excruciating pain and his soul was excruciatingly eighty sorrowful where he was at a place of emotional torment. You say, what in the world does this have to do with me? Because you and I both know people whose soul is being tormented. You and I both know people who think they're at the end of their rope. You and I both know people who feel like they are in their garden of Gethsemane. They can't see things churning around. They're at the end of their end. They're full of hopelessness. They are like what Jesus said. They are sheep without a shepherd being tormented by the devil. But I am here to tell you today, my dear friends, you and I hold the antidote.
boat. You and I have the answer. It's not in Budweiser. It's not in CNN. It's not in the White House. But we have the answer and his name is, come on, shout that name during Holy Week. His name is Jesus. Jesus was at a place of complete emotional sorrow to be able to take that torment off of you, ma'am. He was there at a place of pain to take the pain off of you. He was at a place of weeping so you don't have to weep no more. If Jesus went to the garden, honey, you can give your problems to the Lord. You can give your struggle to the Lord. You can give your stress to the Lord. I don't know who I'm talking to tonight. You can give your fear to the Lord. You can give your anxiety to the Lord. He was troubled even unto the point he sweat great drops of blood all around this church tonight the north the south the east and the west all somebody needs is somebody working the harvest field all this earth needs is the body of Christ to be the body of Christ all this harvest needs in this end time harvest is laborers to work the field I've been interceding in my spirit I've been pacing my floors I've been wearing out my floor in my office crying out to God give us souls least we die give our church souls least we die let him come from the north let him come from the south let him come from the east let him come from the west God awaken your church to win the lost somebody say it's harvest time Listen, let him come drunk. Let him come high. You ain't talking to me in here. Let him come gay. Let him come straight. Let him come 13 and pregnant. Let's see the love of God wrap his arms around them. It's harvest time. He said the harvest is ready, but the laborers are few. Church, we got to become laborers. We got to throw in the sickle. We got to tell people about Jesus. We got to warn them of the end. We got to show them what the love of God looks like. It's harvest time. Slap your neighbor, high five, and tell them it's harvest time. Well, pastor, we will pray they come. Prayer's not enough. We'll fast that they come. Fasting is not enough. The gospel doesn't get out because you fast. The gospel does not get out because you pray. Jesus did not say go and pray, go and fast. He said go and preach the gospel of the good news. It's harvest time. Look at your neighbor and say, hey neighbor, you are without excuse. It's harvest time. What you doing? 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 To not tell somebody about Jesus would be like having the cure for AIDS and cancer but not telling nobody. How selfish of us. Come on, church. How selfish of us to go through an entire year and never tell somebody about the saving power of Jesus Christ. How selfish of us for our employers and employers not to like us. How selfish of us for us to be, we think it's being persecuted, but we've never said nothing about Jesus. How selfish is it of us to not tell people about a heaven we can gain and about a hell we can shun. How selfish is it of us to tell people you don't have to be broke no more in your spirit. You don't have to be depressed no more in your spirit. You don't have to be bankrupt in your emotions any longer because he who gives life is here to tell you, I love you. It's harvest time. It's harvest time. 
See, Paul did not tell Timothy, go and have great church services. He said, do the work of an evangelist. We good at doing church. We, we do good at doing churchy. We can do church good. Listen, we can do it. Come on, hit me a little organ sound here, brother. Uh, MD. How many of y'all glad MD's home with us this weekend? Mm, we can do church. We know how to do it. We know how to get you on your feet. We know how to tell you that God is good. We know how to tell you that God is great. We can do it. We can do it. We can do it. We can do church, y'all. But can we do the gospel? My little girl, she was four years old. She was downstairs typing away on her little computer that wasn't even real. And she said, I'm telling you right now, you didn't know a little kid like me could preach. She said, she said I'm just here to tell you to do the gospel and be the gospel. Are you going straight to hell? And God don't want you to go to hell. We need to have little three, four-year-old preachers come and inspire us up in here. Come on. Somebody said the world is going to hell. You know why it's going to hell? Because good people don't do anything. Because the church is quiet. Because we're not, we're more passionate about politics than we are with propagating the gospel. Somebody shout, it's harvest time. Look at your neighbor say, it's harvest time. Look at somebody behind you say, it's harvest time. Each one has been, had the responsibility to reach one. Each one is responsible to reach one. Each one is responsible to reach one. Come on, Andrew Ministry. Each one is responsible to reach one. Well, pastor, I'm not called to preach in front of the masses. I'm not called to preach on Fox News or CNN. They're not looking for me to put me on Christian television. I only have five followers on YouTube. Well, honey, I dare you to get on YouTube and to look that camera in the face and you preach the gospel to those five as each one reach one somebody say it's harvest time look at your neighbors say it's harvest time all right listen 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 thank you pastor Janae I'm trying to up in here on tonight 80% somebody say 80% push your neighbor say 80 80% of people are converted through relationships. 80% of people are not one because you go to door and do witnessing. What a silly concept. It's not biblical to do witnessing. The Bible said we're called to be a witness, not to do a witness. In American Christianity, what evangelism means to you is that we get together once a month on a Saturday and we go down to the plaza and hand out tracts. That's not witnessing. That's doing a witness. When God called us, somebody shouted, be a witness. 80% of people are converted through, somebody shout relationship. Lord, help me with this next statistic. 41% of church mainline Christians, in other words, they're in church all the time. Only share their faith once a year. The remaining percentage, never. I bet you it was a more, way more than that of many people who voted for the president. It's our responsibility to share our faith with people that don't know Jesus. 
So tonight, what I want to do, and I've, I've skipped around. Sorry, sorry, Birdo, whoever's running that machine back there. I don't know who's running it, but we're going to dig right in. Evangelism is winning and discipling the lost. That's evangelism. We have people get saved on Sunday morning. They're back here tonight. What? Come on and give, a, come on and give our folks a round of applause who gave their life to Jesus. There's one right there. Cheering y'all on. Come on. So, so proud of them that they came back on a, on a Wednesday night. What? Here's what I want to do really quickly. I want to give you some do's and don'ts about sharing your faith and evangelizing your family and friends because Sunday's on the way. So if you've got a phone, you've got a pen, uh, I encourage you maybe they're, they're going to have these notes up here somewhere. Make sure you take some notes or take a picture because this is going to help you. God, God downloaded this to me, and I'm so thankful he gives me good stuff, and I think it's pretty good. So number one, here's the first do and don't when sharing your faith. Number one, do begin with this three-point prayer. I'm going to give you something real simple to pray. Because what you don't want to do is go to work tomorrow and stand up on your desk and start telling everybody they're going to hell. They might call the paramedics. Praise God. Here's three things to pray. Number one, we pray God open their hearts to receiving the gospel. Number two, we pray God open a door for me to be able to communicate Jesus with them. Make it organic. Make it natural. Make it flow. And number three, Put the words in my mouth to say to them. You say, well, pastor, I tried this once. Try it again. Pray it again. Ask God to do it again. Open their heart. Open the door. Open my mouth. Let's say those three things together. You ready? Open their heart. Open the door. And open my mouth. One more time. Say it again. Open the heart. Number two, memorize these three scriptures. Because this is the gospel. Man has a mess, God has a plan, and man now can have hope. That's the gospel. The mess of man is found in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You've sinned. Only one said amen, I hear you. You have sinned. You have fallen short of the glory of God. You have made a mess of everything. And here's here's how you tell them, and so have I. Some get caught, others don't. Some are in the news, others aren't. Huh? Some get exposed for paying somebody hush money. And you just didn't get caught. It's the Pharisee that's picked up a rock this week, by the way. Just to let you know, you forgot how dirty you were. Because the truth be known about you, you was a mess. Whoremonging, drunk, come on, smoking that blunt, hitting that thing. We, we know. All mess is messy. But here's the second verse, but God's got a plan. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus, that whoever would believe in him not, would not perish but have everlasting life. We know that you sin because I'm a, I've sinned too. I was born into sin. Come on. Y'all are quiet in here. Look at me crazy. I'm trying to give you, I'm trying to give you a help to win your friends of Jesus. You're a mess. I was a mess. God's got a plan. He, he came to bring Jesus. Why? So we can have hope. Romans 10, 9. That if, if you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart that God raised uh, the Lord from the dead, you will be saved. So man's mess, God's plan, man's hope, and then I want to tell you always tell them your testimony. 
Write out your testimony of how God saved you. Where you were. Mine's in July 20th, 1995. You've heard it till I was blue in the face. God got a hold of me July 12th, 1995 at approximately 345 in the afternoon. I was lost. I was a mess and broken, but Jesus came in the room. I got all the answers. You can tell them I'm not a theologian. I've been to Bible college. I don't know the Bible that, that good, but I know Jesus. Here's the third one, the third do and don't. Do know your life witnesses louder than your mouth. I'm going to take a drink of water on that. How we live for God speaks louder than how we preach for him. The balance that we have to come to, MD, is that we all fail. We all make a mess of things. Come on. First John said, if you say you don't have any sin, you're a liar and the truth's not in you. But if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. My little children, I write these things to you so you do not sin. But if you do sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. That was pretty good. I've, I've read First John now, I think, 25 times. Colossians chapter 4 and 5, 6 says it this way. Be wise in the way that you act toward outsiders. Be wise in the way that outsiders see you drink, see you post, see you smoke, see you dance, see you club. There was, I heard this story about some people that, that were very adamant about Jesus and they had gotten some good rhythm behind them and they were pretty famous, pretty popular and they held this little party at a hotel and they were throwing back whiskey and vodka and drinks and one of the staff members of the hotel knew who these people were because she followed them on social media and she was totally dumbfounded and told one of the preachers that was there who was a friend of mine who saved to the bone, wasn't involved in the activity, they said, I thought these people were supposed to be Christians. Jesus said to go and be a witness. Let your life song sing. Not perfection, but discipline. Number four, look at your neighbor and say, this is so good. Tell them, so I'm going to buy you a t-shirt after church. Number four, let go of the pressure. If you can't talk to people you love, who can you talk to? Gotta let go of the pressure. If the person is a friend and you love them, Jesus should come to them through you easily. Look at your neighbor and say, Don't panic. Don't freak out. Let it flow. Number five. Here's number five. I got eight of these. We're going quite quickly. Number five. Don't be spiritually cheesy. Do be normal. Look at your neighbor and say, Please. Don't be spiritually cheesy and a weirdo. Please don't be a weirdo. You know, if your friend comes up and says, how are you doing today? Don't be like, I'm highly blessed and favored, anointed of God, blessed coming in, blessed going out, praising the Lord, listening to Caleb, watching Trinity Broadcasting Network, and eating angel food cake. Praise God. Ooh, I just feel the anointing hit me right now. I'm praying. Don't be doing all that stuff. Don't use silly, undoctrinal cliches like where God guides, he provides. Well, that one's biblical, but when God closes the door, he opens the window and you'll be standing in the hallway. Okay, what does that mean? God said it, I believe it, that settles it. 
I'm having my mountain time anointing experience. Are you stressed out, brother? Let go and let God. Okay, those don't communicate to people who are not remotely even going to church or Christians. Don't be a weirdo. Let it be normal. Come on and say amen. amen. Don't quote, don't say, you know, the Bible said, the Bible said, the Bible said, the Bible said, the Bible said. You can just say, you know, God loves you. That's John 3, 16. You know, he loved you so much, he gave us Jesus. The greatest gift ever. I didn't say, you know, the Bible says in John 3, 16, King James Virgin. I saw this person on the interstate today. They passed me. Oh, God, I hope they're not watching today. Please, Lord, please. Their bumper sticker said, God loves you and accepts you. All he wants is your heart. I get up next to him. There's another bumper sticker that said, the King James Version is the only way. If you don't follow that, you don't follow God. I said, well, does he want me and love me, or do I have to read King James for him to, to have me? Help us, Jesus. Number six. Here's this is a big one. This is good for all of our political fans. Don't look through your eyes. See them through their eyes. Well, there's a bunch of conservative evangelicals. There are a bunch of liberal Democrats left and rights. They're confused. They don't know who they are. They're a donkey and then they're an elephant. They're up, then they're down. We're not preachers of politics. We're preachers of the gospel. Minister to them based off where they are, not based off where you are. Yeah, you've been saved 40 years. you got more degrees than a thermometer in the kingdom. We know you smart. We know you educated. They lost. They harassed. They're wandering around without a shepherd. All they need is somebody to show them the love of God. Come on. It's the great commandment. Come on. Love the Lord and love their neighbor. And it's the great commission. Go and preach to them. We're to seek and save what Jesus sought and saved the lost. Minister to them based off where they are, not based off where you are. Place yourself in their shoes. Huh? See them as Jesus sees them. Heart check. How is your heart toward the lost? I've been asking God, Lord, burden my heart for souls more than burdening it for church. Let me preach because I want to get people saved, not because I want a good amen and hallelujah. Lord, how, how, I've thrown my sermon away probably 50 times, Benjamin, for Friday night for Good Friday. I'll get it down. I'm like, no, that just doesn't communicate to lost people, and I throw it away. So I, I finally just ended up getting up and walking away and going to do something else, and then I wrote three more sermons uh, for after this sermon. And I, I, said, I, said, I said, Lord, it's, I, I, you know, I got, I got to preach, you know, four times this weekend. And now five, because you gave this to me. I, you know, what, what are we going to do here? So 45 minutes before my 5.30 p.m. meeting tonight, he just downloads it to me. So I walked to Pastor Jane because I told her last night, I said, I still don't have it because we have walked through tomorrow. I said, I still don't have it. And right before church, said, I got it. I got, a, I got 80% of it done because I want, I want it to communicate the love of Jesus. Not good preaching. The love of Jesus. Come on, somebody. Minister to them based off where they are, not based off where you are. Be salt and light to them. Don't be the judge and the jury. Come on, it's so easy for you and I to want to pick up a rock and judge somebody. What if people picked up rocks toward us like we pick up rocks towards others? What do you think about so-and-so? I think they need Jesus. What do you think about what so-and-so did? I think they need Jesus, man. I think they're harassed and helpless and need a Savior. 
Which brings me to point number seven. Don't, don't focus on the differences. Do start with common ground. Don't focus on how different they are. They might have a purple mohawk be tatted from their forehead all the way to their toe. They might be confused in their gender. They, they, may, they might be a same-sex couple. What? Y'all are really quiet in this church tonight. Y'all looking at me funny. You may hate their guts. Hello, church. What if God started dealing with you about preaching the gospel to somebody in your heart you hate them? The, the word heart, hate in, in 1 John, it's the, it's the Greek word eldelphos, and it means to despise your brother or your sister or fellow humanity. What if you despise somebody? And that's the one God says to you, go and reach them. Lord, do it in me. I don't know about you, but do it in me, God. Change my heart. We got to focus on the common ground. Here's the common ground. We've all missed the mark. What if you started the conversation with, you know, I've done a whole lot of sin in my life. What? Yeah. Well, what was it? Well, I'm not going to tell you, but. It's a lot of mess. It's messy. It's, it's dirty. I'm, I'm not proud of it. But, but, but I'm thankful that I've been redeemed. I'm thankful that God accepted me and loved me and made me clean. You start a conversation off like that? People are like, oh, hold on a minute. Hold, wait, wait, back, back that train up. Put the beeper on. Back up a little bit. What are you talking about? You're, you've sinned a lot and God redeemed you. Because I think really people, they're wanting forgiveness. They need a savior, a deliverer. We got to be, they'll turn back in the early 2000s that became quite popular in church. We got to be out here hustling hope. Not being a dope dealer, but a hope dealer. Don't focus on, 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 on current issues and political issues. Preach the gospel. It's good news, not bad news. If the gospel you preach is you're a jacked up thing and God don't care about you, hates you, you need to get saved. It's called good news, not bad news. If you want bad news, stay at home and watch the news stations all day. I'm like, my God, can they play anything worth watching on here? The good news is good news. The Greek word there is gospel, our gospel news. It's good news. What's good news? Hey, if you're sick, I know a healer. If you're hurting, I know a mender. If you're broken, I know somebody who can put it together. If you're fatherless, God will adopt you. If you're lost, God will find you. If you're hopeless, Jesus, 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 Jesus. It's the good news. Hey, somebody shout it's harvest time. Which leads me to my last point. Number eight. Lord, I got to take a drink of this water because I ain't ready. Don't argue with them. Do focus on Jesus. Now, and I got to help some of, some of our people in the church that are so vocal on Facebook. Um, God didn't recruit you to be his holy debate team. Uh-huh. Look, what has that done for you? Huh? How's that working for you? Is, is it working for you for your good? Are people just mad at you, unfollowing you, and now you got three followers and everybody hates you? That, that was really God's plan for you to work his holy debate team. You know, you know a, lot of, a lot of Christians, they get radical, get saved, and they think it's up to them to go and defend Jesus. Like God's not begging it by himself. God don't need us defending him or debating for him. All he asks us to do is to go and preach the good news. Why are you looking at me funny? 
Come on, somebody. Come on in here. Say amen. Because if God anointed you to debate them and to defend him, you'd have a million followers and a following where you were making a difference in the earth. You ain't making a difference because you ain't got the wisdom to do it. You're irritating and agitating trying to tell you keep it about jesus don't argue religion don't argue politics don't argue trump or biden don't argue bible verses don't argue world affairs focus on salvation come on focus on jesus focus on the prince of god focus on the savior focus on here's one for you eternity there's a real heaven and a real hell but we got a hope that's a bridge called the cross somebody say amen we got to focus on jesus come on i don't care what your grandma told you i don't care what your auntie told you focus on jesus i don't care what denomination of a church you go to focus on jesus i don't care your political affiliation somebody shout focus on jesus it's harvest time it's harvest time it's harvest time it's harvest time somebody say yes somebody say yes slap your neighbor high five and tell him it's harvest time two verses i'm gonna read for you then we're going to conclude Number one, 1 John 2, 6. I've been quoting this verse, and I wrote it down in King James, but I've been quoting it in the modern English version. 1 John 2, 6. Hear the writer write in what he says. The one claiming to abide in Jesus. How many of you in this room say, Pastor, I, I abide in him. I follow Jesus. That's it, man. We're going to have a massive altar call tonight. Like That's like 10% of our congregation. How many of you claim to follow God? Come on, praise the Lord. That's a little bit better. It's a little bit better. Just push your neighbor and say, wake up a little bit. <laughs> First John 2, 6. The one claiming to abide in Christ ought also walk just as in the same way that he walked. What in the world are you talking about, John? Those claiming to walk, those claiming to be in Jesus should walk the way of Christ. What's the way of Christ in reference to this text? Loving one another. See, I don't know about you, but I've been asking God to give me a love and a passion for the lost. I'm being very transparent, very transparent, Pastor Post. I've been asking God, Lord, put the burden of souls in my heart. God, I don't want to be in love with preaching and not in love with the lost. Come on in here. I've been asking him, God, I want to walk as you walked. It put him on the cross. It put him in the garden of Gethsemane. It put him at the whipping post, at the whipping post with the Roman soldiers ripping his flesh to pieces. It was the love for us that put him there. Somebody unfollows us on Facebook and we're ready to fight in the parking lot. Let us walk as you walk. Come on in here. Somebody cut us and climbed above us on the corporate ladder and we're ready to cut them in the parking lot. We should walk as Jesus walked. Now, how many of you can agree with me? Let's be honest. That's really, really hard. Yeah. But if God graces you to do it and he graces me to do it, then we can fulfill John 14, 12. Verily, I tell you, whoever believes in me, the works I have been doing they will do even greater things than these. Greater things than these. Greater things than these. Greater 
greater, greater things, greater things than these. Because I'm going to the Father. I don't know about you, my friends, tonight. I don't know about you, my peeps, my, my sheep, my, my church, my goats. <laughs> I don't know about you tonight. You always have goats and sheep in church. But one thing I know is that I'm so burdened to see God win the lost. I want to see him do it in our generation. Come on. I, I want to see young people like the young lady who got saved on Sunday. And she's back here Wednesday. I'm so thankful that Jesus said, I did not come to win those and to save those who had their life together. He said, I came to save those who were sick in need of a doctor. I think a lot of times in us doing church that we forget there's sick people all around us. They may look like they got it all together. They may have the nice car, the nice house, the pretty wife, the good-looking husband, the, the great family, the four kids, two dogs, a cat, and, and, and a stepson. But, but, but they're a mess. And we have the answer. Jesus said the field is white and ready for harvest. But nobody's willing to drive the combine to go get it. So he said, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send in laborers. See, a lot of us automatically think we're talking about workers in church. Like, I need a laborer to work the, ca the camera. I need a laborer. I mean, these guys do great. I need a laborer to play the piano. I need a laborer to be an usher. That's not what he's talking about. And in, in context, he's talking about Christians going out and winning the lost. That's what he's talking about. I want to be a soul winning church, y'all. I do. I want to be a soul winning church. How many will say with me and stand with me and say, Pastor, I want to I be a soul winner and I want God to give me a burden for the loss. If that's you, stand to your feet. Just stand with me. I want to be a soul winner and, and I, wanna, I want God to give me a burden for those that are lost. Amen. Now, here's the other thing I know that the Lord spoke to me. I told Matthew right before church, I said there's people going to get saved tonight at LifeGate Church. There's going to be people give their life to Jesus tonight. It starts tonight. I told you, I'm believing for 100 souls. We've already had 23. I believe for 100 souls to give their life to Christ. Or No, 100. That just slipped out of my mouth. Well, maybe, Lord. Who knows? <laughs> that just literally slipped out of my mouth. That just came out of my mouth. Lord, I'll believe you for 100 souls. Yeah. I, I'll be, I will, Lord. I'll believe you for 100 souls for real. You can do it, Lord. I want to ask you to do me a favor tonight. Why don't we just close your eyes for just a moment. I want you to examine your heart for just a second. And I want to ask you the question, where are you with Jesus? We don't, we don't think about death, but death is certain for all of us. Yesterday I pulled up on a car wreck and it was a horrific car wreck. My daughter and I, we pulled up on it and this truck had hit this car so hard it bounced the car three lanes over and put it into the medium. And my heart, my initial heart was to look to see if anybody had died. Because the fact of the matter is this, sir, the fact of the matter is this, ma'am, you may have put your clothes on for the very last time. Somebody might have to take a surgical scissor out in a paramedic's squad and cut that clothing off of your body. 
We are not promised tomorrow. The Bible says it's appointed unto man to die one time and then face eternity. I would be a horrible preacher if I didn't tell you that you need saving. There is a real heaven, but there is also a real hell, and there's no in-between. And who you serve in this life now will dictate where you go then. Either heaven or hell, there's no in-between. It's either God or the devil. And if you're not serving Jesus by default, you're automatically serving the devil. But there's good news. God so loved you enough to send his only begotten son that if you would put your whole life in him and follow him and repent and turn the other way, you can one day make heaven your home. There's so many people in this room under the sound of my voice, you don't know where you would go if you died tonight. And I want to tell you not to live your life like you're promised tomorrow. You may have laced your shoes for the very last time. You may have kissed your neighbor for the very last time. You may have hugged your spouse for the very next time. That might have been the last time you told your child, I love you. You are not promised tomorrow. But the good news is you have hope in Jesus. If you would just turn to Christ, if you would give your life to him, if you are here today and I count to three under the sound of my voice and I'm talking to you and you want to turn over to Jesus and follow him, I want you to shoot your hand up one. Eternity is waiting for no one. I bid you to come to Jesus. I ask you to come to the Lord. I ask you to make Jesus your Lord and master. Two, don't go to hell for the devil. Don't go to hell for anybody. Don't go to hell for your loved one. Serve God and not the devil. Have blessing and not cursing. Have life and not death. If that's you, this is it. On the count of three, I want you to shoot your hand up. Ready? One, two, three. Come on, put your hand up in this room. I see you all over this room.